0: This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Welcome to episode
1: 261. Uh, we have today a really special guest, Sam Canders from the Maine Center for Classic. Aviation. Really interesting stuff going on up in Maine. Uh, Some building, restoration, and some education.
0: Let's do the
1: pre flight. But before we talk about that, just a few things to get started with. First of all, please visit our sponsor, aviationcareerspodcast.com. At aviationcareerspodcast.com, they have the scholarships guide, over $120 million in scholarships out there. And you can get one for free using the coupon code PAYITFORWARD. If you want to find out how to actually pay it forward by giving away a free coupon for that scholarships guide? You can go to the website aviationcareerspodcast.com. Also, coming up uh, right after we do uh, put out this podcast uh, is actually the Sun and Fun Holiday Fly In festival and car show that's going to be december 4th and 5th 2020 if you don't get a chance to go there remember we're going to rebroadcast that on sun and fun radio and also on the internet on some videos we're doing some video interviews it's gonna be really cool they're gonna have a balloon launch you know obviously the car show some different performers, and uh, surprisingly, we've got a, uh, some really cool people showing up. Obviously, the ACE president, Lights Leanhouse, House, will be there. The AOPA president, Mark Baker, and the EAA president, uh, is uh, Jack Pelton, will also be there. And of course, we'll be there interviewing all those folks and all the people that we love to see uh, at Sun and Fun. You can listen live. Uh, you can listen right now, liveatc.net slash SNF, all year long to listen to some of the interviews from past events, especially this one. Now entering cruise flight again. Joining us today is Sam Canders from the Maine Center for Classic Aviation, a place where history truly lives. Hey, Sam, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me. Appreciate being here.
1: You know, Sam, uh, looking at your website, the the thing that strikes me is immediately the the picture that's that's up there of a of a classic airplane, and uh, and the fact that. There's a lot of smiles that are throughout that I love. I love that you've actually put out there something historic, but also something that that you know really grabs our attention, us that are really passionate about aviation. Uh, so, first of all, tell us a little bit about what the main center for classic aviation
2: is. Well, uh, main center for classic aviation was uh, kind of an idea that my brothers and I created, uh, but uh, that idea came much later. We first started with just an airfield. We have owned this uh, grass strip. For about nine years now, it'll be uh, 10 years this coming summer. And it just came as an idea as three brothers that are into flying that uh, just wanted to have their own airstrip. And it was a kind of a dilapidated old field uh, that had uh, started in the uh, 50s. A man returned from uh, basically World War II, wanted to be a pilot, never was. And then uh, when he came home, he uh, got a job, bought some farmland, started learning how to fly, and he created an airport. And it was, uh, like I said, in a state of de- decay when we picked it up. And uh, over the last nine years, we've started to build it up. And as part of that, we created the main center for classic aviation.
1: That's really cool. Hey, by the way, for people that are uh, listening right now, is there an identifier they might want to look up while they're sitting there on the iPhones? Absolutely. It's uh, ME62. ME sixty two and of course a lot of us will go to air and have to find that. Oh, and we'll have links in the show notes to everything we talk about here. So taking over this airfield, it was somebody's dream, uh, and uh, and you're just actually fulfilling that dream, but going even further, uh, which I think is really cool. Uh, the, so that was this idea of of restoring this airfield actually actually spawned something else. It spawned something
2: that has become,
1: I guess, your full time job.
2: In a way, it feels like a full-time job. I spend most of my time on a lawnmower, it seems like. But, you know, it's it's just uh, anyone that's gotten into aviation, uh, general aviation, it's tough now. Like, you can't just go to an airport and touch an airplane. Uh, You know, there's security measures that that are in place. And that's what we like about the classic grass strip is it's approachable. And uh, we have a place that's literally an aviation. It's a playground for us. And we love sharing it uh, with other people. And uh, that's kind of... The direction we kept going is how do we keep making this more accessible to others? And uh, we thought about getting other airplanes, airplane projects that would get people together and give people an opportunity that think that they can't get into it, get them in an airplane, let them see an airplane, let them hear it. And uh, one of the highlights every year that we do is a fly-in the last Saturday of every September where people that are not pilots just come and sit and they just watch these airplanes and they have a a wonderful time doing it.
1: So we must've missed that one this year, but next year we'll try to make it out there for that. Hopefully that was a success. Um, You know, I noticed a lot of smiling faces of some youth out there. Uh, You know, this is part, there's a couple of different prongs to this, the main center uh, for classic aviation. A big part is educating youth and, and outreach to youth. Um, what is it that you do for
2: the younger folks that are out there at the airport? We'd like to think that the biggest thing that we do is we provide them the environment. We provide them with a place that they can actually go and be a part of this. Uh, we do have some, uh, I've done some school outreach programs where I've actually gone into schools to talk about aviation, taken in components like a, a wing rib or something and just talk about aviation. But uh, we have a, a build program that uh, we're actually building a Pete and Paul air camper that we've advertised that we've had kids come in and actually, you know, work with wood to build pieces of an airplane. Uh, and we recently picked up a, a Taylorcraft BC-12D. It's going to be a, a cooperative effort with the local uh, mechanic in town, uh, Curtis Aviation. They're going to help us uh, with that as far as giving us a place for that aircraft to live at another airport and providing some maintenance oversight to people to, to work and restore a Taylorcraft BC-12D.
1: When you do these outreach to the schools, I know it's great to bring people into the airport, but we truly do need to go out and, and grab people because like you said, you know, the days of just running over to the airport and hanging on the fence or walking out the field are almost over. But uh, I think that really, to me, my favorite thing is the fact you can do that where you are. Oh, Absolutely. uh,
2: (laughs) And you can see when we have our our fly in that these people that some I've never seen a lot of these people in my life, I have no idea. And they'll come up and and thank me and say, you know, thank you for allowing us to do this. Like we never thought something like this was possible. And I'll just ask them like how they found out about it. And it's like a friend of a friend or something. But uh, you never know who's going to be there. What you know, what kid you're going to reach out to or even adult or parent that can just show them that. You can do this. You can be involved in this, and it could be a life changer for for a child. Obviously,
1: it can be a life changing event. You know, maybe getting into flying uh, as a career or as a hobby. Uh, it also increases their their knowledge of many different things that they can use in other parts of life. But it's not just flying. I mean, it's a hands on approach. If you uh, have a, a young student say that wants to become a mechanic, uh, never thought they could do that. They can never work on airplanes. I think you're you're really inspiring some of those folks.
2: Absolutely. We have one of our volunteers. He's a, he's big into the trades. He's a welder and he's made a fabulous career in it. And uh, that's one of the things we promote is there are opportunities in aviation. There are opportunities outside of aviation, but you still touch on that, whether it be avionics or, you know, fabric metal fabrication or whatnot uh, that can have far reaching career opportunities beyond just the aviation. But uh, you know, You used to have a time when you had a shop class or something like that, but, you know, we don't have a lot of those programs anymore. And it seems like you're tracked a certain direction, but just because you're going down a professional, you know, college course doesn't mean you can't get hands on and, and use your hands to build something incredible.
1: So the fact that you're working with wood is very important, using your hands, because uh, like you said, I don't think we stress the trades. And uh, that is something that you're doing is in, is inspiring people to, to get involved in those and make them realize they can do it. I don't think I would have done it if someone said, hey, you know, you can do this. Let me show you.
2: And that's what you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what's, you know, and, and then there's another piece of this, too. It's, the, it's you think of all the people, the older people in aviation that, uh, that have done this that have worked on airplanes you know they have a, a perishable skill that uh, is not being passed on to a lot of people so to get somebody young to be involved in in rebuilding a tailor craft uh, to us like that's extremely important because we can connect somebody with an interest with somebody that has the experience and actually pass that knowledge on that could be a lifetime of experience in aviation that could pass on to a younger individual and, and keep that that skill Uh, In that just that trait alive.
1: So most of the people that are involved with this, uh, do you think they're more hobbyist or people that are looking at this as kind of or been involved as a career, I should say?
2: I I think it's mostly just people that uh, have an interest in aviation. Uh, They don't know maybe necessarily what level of interest they have. But it's just a little bit of exposure maybe with, you know, like I said, the, the woodworking on the, the Pete and Paul project or working with the metal and, and just kind of get them involved in aviation. Maybe they never thought they'd be a pilot and, you know, then they decide maybe that is something that they want to do. So uh, we, we don't necessarily know what's going to happen. We just kind of plant the seed.
1: Yeah, planting the seed is so important. Just like yourself, I mean, probably when you were younger, you you were involved somehow or got an interest somehow in aviation and restoring classic maybe cars or airplanes. How did that come about? Uh,
2: for me, uh, the interest was always there. I had an uncle. He was uh, an Air Force pilot. Uh, he was quite a bit older than me. He was a Korean War pilot, and he never came home. So I always had the picture of, of him beside his airplane, and that was kind of what made me think about aviation, which maybe not, is not necessarily the most positive reinforcement, but, but then I, you know, I sought it out, but at the same time, even in 1993, when I started flying, uh, you could still go to the airport, but I didn't know any pilots. I didn't know how you did it. I didn't, you know, all other than driving to the airport and just kind of waiting for someone to say, Hey kid, you know, what do you, what do you want? What are you doing here? So
1: yeah, I, I think a lot of us got started that way. I mean, I never thought I could do it until someone said, hey, you can go fly one of those. Really? And and you're providing that right there. I mean, just that alone can really get someone started down that path. You talked a little bit about some airplanes, by the way, and uh, there's some listeners that may not know what those are, You know, especially maybe some that are just getting into it. The, the one that really piqued my interest, you talked about this thing called a Pete and Paul, which sounds really cool. <laughs> So, so what?
2: What is a Pete and Paul? Well, the, the, some would say that the Pete and Paul Air Camper is the start of the home built airplane. Uh, and Bernard Pete and Paul, in the late twenties, basically published an article in uh, a science magazine where he told people how to build an airplane. And uh, through that article, it continued on to a, a bunch of other series. But from everything, from the metal fabrication to you know, using common tools that you could get in the hardware store. So it allowed people to realize that, wow, I can do this. And probably the Ford Model A motor at the time was like the most revolutionary motor that people had access to that would actually work in the airplane. So Bernard had designed an airplane. He flew it on several different iterations with different engines, but then the Model A came around. That's what he put into, put it into the airplane. And, uh, it, and it worked, and it still works. Our airplane is, is powered by that same Model A Ford motor that's been around since uh, the late late 20s.
1: Some people say a lot of general aviation motors haven't really changed much in the past 30, 40 years.
2: No, that's, that's true. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we talk about fuel injection being something fairly new in airplanes. They've been around a lot longer in cars. Uh, interestingly, you mentioned automobiles. Uh, I think there's a huge tie in there, uh, especially with the technologies in learning both about the aircraft engines and how aircraft work. You learn a lot about cars, too. Yes. At the same time.
2: Do you have any uh, cars at, at uh, your airport? We do. Our uh, our airport car is a uh, 1925 uh, Ford Model T Touring. So your airport <laughs> car. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So if you come in and visit us, uh we'll take you for a ride in the in the old Tin Lizzie. So Wow. But that that just kind of happened like uh, you know, I had the airplane that was the Pete and Paul, it was powered by a Ford motor, and I was trying to find something that was kind of period appropriate and uh you know, the design that we have is the late 20s. This is a 1925 car. So in a way sometimes it's fun to drive up to the airport and jump in the old Model A powered, peat and Pole and, and hand crank you know, the hand pull the the prop through the to get it started and then go off for a little fly. So,
1: you know, I I remember my uh, pictures of my grandmother starting up uh, a truck when she did the bananas and uh, to deliver bananas and she started cranking it. And I kind of got that picture in my head when you are saying that.
2: <laughs> You're almost Which, hand uh, propping the Model T when you do that.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So do you teach the students about that? I mean, or anybody that comes out to the airport about the cars also? Yes.
2: So we have we have that car, and then I actually have two motors uh, on a stand, so you can actually see the Model T motor and kind of see how simple it really was. Uh, but, I mean, at the time that that came out, that was revolutionary. And, uh, you know, there's one that has the they, – they call it the, the – uh, hog's head because it kind of looks like a big pig's head but that's the transmission because the engine and the transmission all are all in one and i've removed the top part of that so you could actually see the transmission system because it's a two-speed planetary gear system in there and just kind of give you a chance to touch that little piece of history and that's that's kind of why i say we're not really a museum we're kind of just a you know an experience. And uh, right. you just don't, you don't know what you're going to get into. So if you have that interest then we just wheel that stuff out and people can see the car, uh, they can hear the car, they go for a ride in the car. And then we can also show them the motors to kind of give them an idea of what what's going on underneath the hood.
1: Talk a lot about old planes and old cars. I'm assuming there's got to be some challenges in trying to both restore and keep these maintained.
2: Yeah, we kind of joke that, uh, you know, if you don't want to drive old cars and fly old airplanes, you know, then you don't want to work on them. So, I mean, there's definitely if something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong. And that's part of the ownership is getting a flat tire or just, you know, having to do something with an old motor or, you know, just trying to troubleshoot and problem solve. So uh, if you don't want to work on on an old aircraft or an old car, don't own one because uh, they definitely need some some tinkering.
1: It's interesting, some of the problems we don't normally see. I remember one of the YouTube videos you did, and I can't remember what it was on a car with one of the wheels coming off, uh, one of the tires coming off the wheel. It was kind of interesting. you know. You, you, how many times do you see that happen? Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that happened we, at, at our fly-in. We were given Model T rides, and we happened to have a spare tire on the back, so we swapped it out. So the video I had made was me fixing the, the one that had had, uh, had gone flat. So restoring these
1: aircraft and making them available through this experience, and I, I know I call it a museum, but it's not, you know, it is truly an experience, um, but you are now stewards of this history, which is really important, but you're also uh, creating this environment where we can actually experience that history. Um, but to fly and restore these aircraft, like you said, there's it's a diminishing skill, Talk about the flying part. Uh, how how much different is it to fly something that's classic?
2: You know, it, it's, you see a lot of posts sometimes and, you know, there's some certain Facebook groups out there that think they're the God's gift to aviation because they fly something with a tail wheel. And I just, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I mean, I I don't even have a tail wheel. I have a tail skid, And, you know, I I don't, <laughs> that's not a big deal to me or to any pilot, quite honestly. It just takes a different level of, look at it a different level of training and it, it's not, it's not magic. It's not anything that's beyond the realm of possibility. And then some people that are in that community try to treat it as such. But to me, it's no, it's, it's still an airplane. You just have to treat yeah. it with a certain level of respect. Yeah. There was a time that's all they had were tailwheel. Yeah, that's it. And, yeah. uh, you wouldn't think of anything else. And, uh, you know, we have plenty of people that have, uh, you know, we, whether it be a tail drag or a nose drag or whatever you want to call it. There's guys that of all types that fly into uh, into our field. So we've had speaking things of flying in. yeah, Go ahead. i
1: uh, uh, sorry I cut you off. But uh, speaking of flying in, if someone was, say, visiting the area by vehicle, uh, say, they, I think Bangor, maybe the closest big airport, how would they actually get to? So we're,
2: we're just off of 95. So if you flew into the two major airports in Maine, uh, whether it be Bangor or into Portland, we're about an hour and a half North of Portland and about uh, 40 minutes South of, uh, of Bangor. And, uh, it's just, just come on in, like, give me a call, find us on Facebook, send us a message. And if you're in the area and you just want to stop by, you want to hear the airplane run. I mean, get your hands on it and just take a look at it. just, just give us a call. If there's someone available, they'll, they'll gladly meet you.
1: So if I was to want to fly
2: in, though, I could give you a shout and just come on in? Absolutely. And that's one of the things when we when we got the airport is we didn't want it to be just the three brothers that had this airport that kind of like kept everybody out. And that's when we said, well, we need to find some type of transition here. And that's why we created the main center for classic aviation as also the steward of not only the buildings, but also the airfield to make sure that it's maintains that status as a, as an airport, and then also allow it to continue beyond my years. So if something ever were to happen to me, it's not going away. It's going to stay right there. And then we can pass that on to a board of directors to to maintain and be stewards of that property.
1: Well, hats off to you for doing that. I think that's terrific. And uh, something you can leave for posterity and for for society in general. I think that's terrific. Thank you. But going back to the youth though, I think that's, that's incredibly important. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the old guys, uh, <laughs> the youth programs that you have. So we don't miss anything. Uh, they can tell us a little bit about all the different things you do with youth again.
2: Okay. So uh, we do have, like I said, some outreach programs that we've done to local schools. We have the, uh, where we just go in and I talk about being a pilot. I talk about aviation. I talk about the programs that we have uh, at the field and we uh, we have had a youth build project, which kind of took a hiatus during the COVID era. But, uh, you know, up until probably February was our last organized meeting. We would just uh, we would work on the airplane. I'd make a series of videos uh, of instruction for those that couldn't come so that we could go over the, the work that we had done. Uh, and using that technology, we can maybe get those people that are just on the fence that are just have an interest to maybe watch those videos and realize, wow, I'd kind of like to come do this in person. Uh, and then the latest addition we have is the uh, the bc12 the Taylorcraft restoration project that we're working on so those are uh, those all those projects have the direction of being involved by anyone that wants to be whether it be uh, a young kid uh, you know a parent with their child or or anyone else that has the skills or the desire to do it just to just to come and do it
1: if they're interested, I'm assuming they can go to the website, mainflying.org. That's Maine as in the state with an E on the end, flying.org. And, uh, you can reach out just by, uh, pressing the contact on there. Uh, also pretty cool is the videos you were talking about. There's a YouTube channel and that's, uh, on YouTube, it's Maine space flying. And, uh, again, the state of Maine, uh, I, what I really like, too, is the fact you did one about the runway and what you've done the restorations you're doing. Uh, you go over experiences you've had, uh, the challenges, the good, the bad, everything, which is neat.
2: Yeah, there's just a, a, a lot of uh, videos that kind of just come up sporadically. Like I'm just finishing up one that I did. We had an impromptu fly in uh, just the other day where it's just a great, beautiful Sunday afternoon uh, in November, which felt like summer. And we had uh, a bunch of guys fly in, A few people drove in. We just did hamburgers and whatnot. But I usually put that stuff together because there's some airplanes that pop in. We had a, it's an actual, a, a Taylorcraft J2 Cub. So that would be before Piper and Taylorcraft went their separate ways uh, that stopped in. Uh, so one of the most original Pipers, if you would, uh, was there. And then a couple other airplanes that stopped by. So I, Some people just love to see that stuff and you just kind of never know. So I I try to collect that and share that for for those that didn't have a chance to make it.
1: So some of the older guys like me with gray hair, uh, you know, a lot of it brings back quite a bit of nostalgia from, uh, for me, it would be my grandparents and my parents uh, that loved aviation. What is it that's available for someone like myself? I mean,
2: would I feel out of place? Absolutely not. If you're uh, just a kid at heart, uh, you're more than welcome (laughs) as well. So, no, no, we like how you said that. (laughs) We've got we've got all kinds. Like I said, it's just if you're if you have the interest, we have the airport for you. So, uh, just you know, we have something for everyone.
1: Uh, BC-12, I think that's cool that you're doing that. Um, The YouTube channel and everything that you're doing there. How about other places? Have you been able to get out to some of the air shows? Uh, I know you've been around just a few years, but to kind of promote what you're doing.
2: We really haven't done that. And and mostly because what we call the main center for plastic aviation is fairly new. I mean, you know, so, and and as far as uh, any type of fly-in or whatnot, but, uh, you know, this year was a very tough year for it. But our goal is uh, when we get the BC12D done, we would love to fly it out to Oshkosh, and we're, we're most likely going to raffle that off and uh, as a fundraiser. So it's uh, just like the Lakeland program. You guys have a wonderful youth program, which is one that we have just a- the utmost admiration for. Like if we could get be half the club of uh, that that they are down there, like. That'd be a dream. So but uh, the thought is, if we do get that that restoration complete, if we can maybe fly that airplane out to Oshkosh, let people see it and, uh, and raffle it off to raise funds for future projects.
1: Yeah, we'd love to see more programs throughout the the country, uh, especially reaching out to youth because uh, that's what I think that's incredibly important is the fact that when we do reach youth, and it may just be for a hobby, but it it really does expand them. And both personally, it builds a lot of self-confidence. You know, what did you do today? Oh, I helped build an airplane. I mean, you don't hear that too often. <laughs> no, you go certainly, to don't. You <laughs> certainly don't. And there's nothing better than, than actually uh, kind of feeling the fabric on a plane and and wood and and being around people that are truly passionate about what they do and people that they can learn from and are a good example, like like the folks uh, there at the main uh, classic aviation. It's really Maine center for classic aviation. And that's in Pittsfield, Maine, um, also can be found on Facebook. So make sure you check it out on Facebook, too. Uh, what other programs are you looking at, say, for the future? Where, where do you think you – I know you talk about growing the youth program. Where, what else do you think you might be able to try to do? Uh,
2: we'd definitely like to add on as far as having more aircraft. Uh, the Pete and Paul we have is uh, – I, I take up small kids, but, you know, it's powered by an old Ford motor. It's a heavy motor. It's not producing a lot of horsepower. So uh, I try to keep the, uh, the payload down to a minimum. So I'd like to have something larger. We're looking at a 1929 Fleet a Model 7. As a possibility, and uh, if that doesn't work out, then we'll probably be looking something along the lines of a steerman to have. So that gives us a lot more flexibility as far as getting the hands-on piece, and and it would be a lot like the Owls Head experience if you ever come to Maine to see the Transportation Museum up in uh, in Rockland, Maine. But uh, to be more of a hands-on and get out to the different fly-ins and almost barnstorm it in a way, it's just to show up at some of these fly-ins and offer rides for people.
1: So in doing that, um, like when you said come in, Like for someone who's just visiting, is there anything they can do? Are there like a week-long program where I could get hands-on just if I'm coming
2: in? We don't have anything like that. One of the things we've talked about with the peat and Pole that we're, we're building is putting the, uh, the Corvair motor in it, which was another uh, automotive engine, and William Wynn uh, is, is a well-known name uh, as far as that motor goes, and he puts on workshops. So you know something along those lines, where we would have maybe the the Corvair College workshop, where we'd have provide the motor, and uh, he would come in and provide the guidance, and we could all get hands on as far as learning about how to rebuild that automotive engine to an aviation application.
1: Are there times of year that we we can't visit, or are there say there? Are, <laughs> I'm assuming in Maine it snows.
2: Yeah, it sure does. So, but I mean, we do we do some. Uh, winter flying up there. You know, I mean, we've got uh, skis that we can put on the airplanes, which is a different type of flying, but it uh, definitely uh, can be cold. So it, it, what you can do is is a lot more limited.
1: In Maine, you know, just to shift there, aviation is so important in Maine. I mean, it's, it's recreational, but it's incredibly important for transportation, both of the small and uh, the large airports. But, you know, there's got to be examples, I'm sure you have, where you can you can see the true difference that aviation's making in people's lives.
2: Oh, absolutely. And we have an organization up here, uh, Life Flight of Maine, where they're flying helicopters. And they've also got some airplanes as far as uh, providing air ambulance services. There's a wonderful outfit on, on the coast called Penobscot Island Air. They provide uh, service, uh, mail service and transportation service to a lot of those island communities. There's a lot of islands off the coast of Maine and uh they have a wonderful rep, rep uh, reputation for providing uh essential service to those communities
1: yeah i i was smiling when you said that because that is that is the reason that we still are doing this is, uh, in, in general aviation is we're truly changing lives. Penobscot Air is a, is a good example of that. There's a lot of other museums to visit in, in the main, uh, in your area, uh, transportation, a lot of wonderful sites. So if you're trying to convince your, your significant other, other to come up, <laughs> remind them that there's this beautiful coast. There's there's great lakes. There's wonderful things to do
2: around Maine while you're sitting there tinkering with aircraft. Absolutely. So I mean, we're, we're not a destination itself, but uh, I mean, Maine in itself it can, is a fabulous vacation uh, getaway. So and you can sneak away and do some other things. There's a lot of good aviation and transportation museums, like you said.
1: Yeah, it, it's uh, the Life Flight says Vacation Land for a reason. Um,
2: That's there's, right.
1: It, it 's incredibly diverse there's so many things to do up there, uh, and I have a lot of friends that live. I have a lot of friends that that fly and, on on floats and skis and uh, everything you can imagine in aviation uh, you 're exposed to all the different environments to hot, cold snow. Uh, the Summers and Greenville, but uh, but most importantly, we want you to try to come by uh, the main center for classic aviation because uh, you know really they're making a huge difference uh, in people's lives, especially in in youth and promoting aviation in the young, old, everybody alike. Uh, but uh, anyway, th- what else do you have for us as far as anything that we may have forgotten here that you want to mention to the folks or uh, and where maybe they can find you?
2: Well, just once again, the website, uh, org, And we do have a, uh, a YouTube channel that's just mainflying. Flying. We have some other educational opportunities there. We, uh, I'm a volunteer with the FAA safety team. So I've done a lot of videos promoting aviation safety. Uh, so um, there's that. Uh, but I just encourage people, just if you have an interest and uh, you, you are in Maine, uh, please do stop by. Uh, It it doesn't have to be just online. Just come on in in person.
1: And if you want to help out, there's ways to help out because you are a 501c3, correct?
2: That is correct. So uh, through the website uh, and and also on PayPal, uh, we set up on there where uh, we can receive donations. We had a wonderful gentleman that actually, it was a partial donation, really, uh, that BC-12 project. He was older and was just, he was done and he had restored a lot and uh he was selling just the airframe and we went down to look at it and you know he opened up a trailer and there was everything else that you could possibly imagine there was a couple continental 65 sitting in there you know all the fabric and everything else that somehow managed to work its way into this deal so uh you know things like that are amazing opportunity and he was excited to pass it on to us because he was into restorations but he was to the age where he no longer wanted to do it and he He found a home with us, and he kind of passed that on and uh hopefully you know in good time that's that airplane will make its way to oshkosh
1: found a home for a passionate aviator and uh, somebody who is passionate about aviation and, and moving that forward and that's uh Sam Canders here uh, and What a wonderful place this is the main center for classic aviation. Uh, for people of all, you know, all ages, all all groups of people, uh, be inspired. You are going to learn something. There is history, but it's hands on history, uh, and it is truly an experience. Sam, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us,
2: and uh, thanks for helping us spread our message.
1: Well, you know, we always love to spread the message of aviation, Uh, whether you're interested in one of these 1929 Pete and Paul designs, uh, you know, some of you that are into classic magazines, it was actually in uh, Popular Mechanics. You can find that at this experience, at this museum, the main center for classic aviation. You're also going to find people like Sam that are truly passionate and are willing to talk to you. And there's not too many places you can go nowadays. We can just walk across the fence. There is no fence. And, and meet the people on the field. So I highly recommend you checking it out. Maine flying, that's with an E, dot org. Also in the show notes, you can find links to the YouTube channel. And I really, truly hope that the next time you're looking at a vacation, if you're looking towards maybe bringing along your flying partner, think of Maine. There's many places to visit but most importantly, the Maine Center for Classic Aviation. And of course, Sam will give you a, a tour and also tell you where you can visit throughout the state of Maine, the beautiful state of Maine. Well, folks, I really appreciate your listening. And most importantly, check out the website. And during this time, we need to always try to move forward in our flying life. And I really encourage you after you stop this to don't stop there. Just do something in aviation that will Light that passion, light that fire again. It might just be looking at some of the YouTube videos here. It might be starting to plan a trip to Maine.
0: Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast.